All right, Nick Smart, UFC Fight Night just finished. We're, I think we're going to talk about a fair bit of UFC tonight, but I got to start by asking you your thoughts on what has been an absolute shit show in the NFL with quarterback situations. Of course, Deshaun Watson was an issue. I think Carson Wentz has been traded since the last time we talked. We're going to, of course, talk about all of those things. Perhaps the most unexpected outcome, though, has been Russell Wilson now demanding a trade. Then it's being said he didn't demand a trade, but it's there's clearly trouble in paradise in Seattle. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole situation and do you think Russell Wilson will be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks next year? Let me begin with saying I'm shocked that this has gotten to the point that it's gotten to. I do believe cooler heads will prevail and he will be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks when the season uh, kicks off in September. I'm not buying that there's anything to this. Now it sounds like the issue stems from Russell Wilson's uh, unhappiness with the way Pete Carroll uh, is running things in relation to how he treats his sons. Uh, I need to read more into that to, to really dig deep into, and to see what Pete's sons have been up to that Russell's not so happy about, but I, I think cooler heads are going to prevail. If they don't, where do you think he would end up? Well, it sounds like uh, he's, whether it's his representation or he himself has put out a list, it sounds like it's between the Cowboys, Bears, Raiders, and Saints. I believe I'm not forgetting anybody. Um, I think he'd be a great fit in Chicago. I think he'd be a great fit anywhere. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think Seattle would be foolish to let him go. But yeah, I mean, how good would he look in a Saints jersey if if you're a Saints fan? I mean, or a you, Raiders jersey for them. You want to let Russ cook? You bet your ass that they're going to let him do that in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, Sean Payton. You you can bet there. Uh, probably of his list, the Raiders are going to be his not so best situation. Him and Dallas would be great. Um, it's funny and, because know, I, I sorry to interrupt. I. It's interesting because I think Dallas is best when they're able to establish the run game, and it might just be like more the same if he ended up in Dallas, where it's like, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to give Ezekiel Elliott the ball 25, 30 times a game. Uh, The Cowboys are going to have to go back to the drawing board. Come draft time at running back, they're going to need to find Zeke's successor, whether it's Tony Pollard, whether it's another guy, they're going to still need to beef up the O-line. Uh, yeah, I Houston, think that's the bigger issue. Yeah, I mean, just on a Zach Martin note, uh, Houston released his younger brother Nick Martin today, so maybe there's a fit there for the Cowboys. Um, but yeah, no, uh, they got to get back to uh, stocking the shelves. Those That once very deep depth chart on that Cowboys O-line is now uh, razor thin. The Chicago situation is super interesting to me. I, I forget who it was, but I saw somebody note that like, if Russell Wilson went to Chicago, he would immediately be the best quarterback that Chicago has ever had in franchise history. Yep. Um, I, I, I would say that. Yeah. No yeah I mean, to, uh, who would you offend? Like, no, I was going to I guess I was going to mention, uh, what's his name? The one, the Super Bowl with them. 
Yeah, but that guy uh, was Garbo. Yeah, was it McMahon? Uh, I'm losing my memory mm-hmm. here, but but yeah, uh, we've talked about Allen Robinson on this podcast. He's never played with a quarterback the caliber Russell Wilson. How great would that be to see? Um, well, yeah. and if I remember correctly, Robinson's one of the guys who took all the like team branding off his Twitter, and yeah, you know, he's clearly looking to move yeah, somewhere else. It's always a desperate move from a desperate player looking for desperate money. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the Allen Robinson note, he's not going to have to worry. Someone's going to pay him, whether it's the Bears, whether it's not. Uh, and this, like I said, this whole Russell Wilson thing, I think, at least, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm not convinced there's anything inevitable coming when it comes to him moving. I think he's back in Seattle week one. Now, now they're going <laughs> to – the one advice he did give them was we're going to have to stock up in the O-line here. So hopefully um, they will heed that advice and invest in the O-line. It sounds like the Ravens now have a, a tackle in Orlando Brown that is suddenly disgruntled because he wants to stay on the left side. And, of course, they're getting franchise left tackle Ronnie Stanley back from a major injury. So maybe Seattle could reach out to Baltimore. They'd get a deal done there. I don't think All Baltimore is, is going to part with elite linemen, though, right? Well, here's the thing. I mean, they're going to probably want to get some in form rather than have him walk after his rookie deal. He's proven in Stanley's stead that he could more than handle the left side. And we know it's all about money, right? I mean, there's a there's a discrepancy between right and left tackles when it comes to mega contracts. Absolutely. And Orlando Brown knows that. His father played in the league. And I'd be, um, if I was an agent, I'd be coaching guys in that direction too, well, right? Yeah. Like, you don't want to be on the fucking yeah. right side and making, you know, 60 cents on the dollar. Yeah. I'm sure his agent has a lot to do with this. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, it's very seldom franchise tackles whether right or left firmly in their prime still on a rookie contract are available it's very rare so anybody that either whiffs and misses come april's draft on the tackle they're after maybe they want to get baltimore phone call it's funny because the last guy i can think of who was was tunsil right yep um all right speaking of the texans the deshaun watson scenario is dragging on i would say i i would think uh and this is this is a kind of a famous last words type thing but like i would think this is going to be a situation that we're not going to see resolved until the draft that it's yeah this yeah this one's gonna go well um but if you remember the the for lack of a better term melodrama when carmelo anthony was in his final days with the denver nuggets before that knicks trade happened yeah uh, how long that got dragged out and how much of a constant soap opera that was. We're headed for the exact same thing with Deshaun Watson. That's the one comparison that comes to my mind that I think is appropriate here. It sounds like Deshaun's digging his heels in. He claims he's never going to play football for them again. I just I don't, I don't know what's going to get done here, right? Uh, it sounds like the Panthers are trying to get something done, um, and their owner is adamant that he needs to find a long-term franchise guy. Uh, the Broncos are still out there. I I heard the Broncos connected to Fitzpatrick yesterday. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of play. I just think with the contract, it's it, it's one thing to trade for a guy. It is another thing 
to have to pay that guy elite money, right? So you're not only are you giving up the assets to get an elite dude, but then you have to go and pay him elite money. Like there's just no value there whatsoever. Um, the the value in, in in an interesting way, I would say, is for a team like New England. I don't think, for the record, I think there's no scenario where New England gives up the kind of assets you would need to get Deshaun Watson. But if you're a team that, like, let, let's let, let's be real honest here for a second. Cam Newton was horseshit last year, and they they essentially functioned without a quarterback for most of that season. So, look for New England to be aggressive in the quarterback market. They're looking to upgrade big time. Right. But my point is, if you can basically play a season with no quarterback and then end up, what, they're going to have the 12th pick, the 15th pick, right? That is as bad a season as Bill Belichick is capable of. No quarterback, seven defensive starters opt out for COVID. Like, it's not going to get worse than it was last year for them. And you still end up with a mid-first-round pick. So you are never going to be able to draft Joe Burrow. You are never going to be able to draft Trevor Lawrence. That is not going to be a part of your team so long as you have Bill Belichick heading it. The best thing you could do to get an elite-level quarterback is to give up those assets and get them. The problem is you have to pay too. It's not like you're getting a guy on a couple years of the rookie deal or whatever, right? Um... I think it would be, I, I mean, if I was New England, I'd be calling Cincinnati and saying, we'll give you three ones for Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see Cincinnati kind of. No, no, and, and, and maybe they don't, right? And, and For sure they don't, but I'd ask the question. Yep, no, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it only takes a second. Um, um, one connection I can see to New England, obviously Garoppolo is the obvious one if the Niners part ways, but I think Teddy Bridgewater who, like I said, uh, Carolina is looking to upgrade. And we know how much of an upgrade uh, Bridgewater would be for New England. I think Bridgewater could be a, a sneaky play for New England. I really do. I don't think New England thinks about this stuff, but do you want to be the guy who takes another guy off the trash heap from Carolina? I mean, if he comes out this year and lays an egg in New England, you're just like, well, fuck what, like, how bad does your organization look at that point? Yeah. Um, I one the, one another quick thing on Watson. Anyone sure. saying because that's what he is claiming is that he'll never play another down for Houston, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But anyone saying that he's got leverage here and that he will sit out next season, he's not going to do that. He would be losing, according to ProFootballTalk.com, $20.2 million if he set out the 2021 season. You don't, you don't season. have to sit out. You pull a James Harden. James James Harden suffered nothing. Like, there there was no... He didn't lose a shoe deal. He, he showed up and did nothing for, what, not even 90 days? Way less than that, 45 maybe? You just become a problem, right? You've made it clear you will be a problem if they decide yeah, to yeah. do nothing. No, that's fine, you, you know. Um, but there's no there's no blowback for that. 
How many how many Harden Nets jerseys do you think got sold? Um, well, it's still ongoing, right? I mean, that's gonna go for a while. Yeah. So, I now I feel bad for the city of Houston. I know we've talked about this before, but between Harden and Watson, like what a what a fucking thing! And, and they're cheating baseball team. And they're cheating baseball team. I'll, maybe it maybe it's all a comeuppance for that. Um, yeah. Something that you know maybe is a topic five years from now, but like it's entirely plausible that both Harden and Deshaun pull this nonsense, and we look back on it and it's like two of the best players to play that never won a ring, right? Yeah, Houston was better off. Well, yeah, and there and there's just a world where both of those guys like they they were never gonna win. You you can make a strong argument that James Harden, you know, he he hasn't done anything yet. Now we'll see if him and Durant and Kyrie can pull something together. Uh, I got something to say about Kyrie later, but we'll we'll hold on to that for now. Yeah, was he saying Kobe should be the logo? Yeah, I didn't agree with that. Well, I mean, that's one of many crazy things uh, Kyrie said. We can get to that later. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back to. That. Um. Other thing that happened since we talked last, Carson Wentz is now the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. Here's a question. Is he the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts? Like, Is that an honest question? Of course. I, I mean, I would think so, too. A, like, Jacoby, yeah. you know. Is, a, they don't know. make the trade if he's not. They didn't give up like that, that much. No, I know, but they don't make the trade if he's not. I'll tell you what. How many, and, how many, sorry to cut you off, but how many NFL journalists look like fucking fools that going into that Super Bowl, they're like, the trade's going to get made. I've heard multiple ones. They were clearly, clearly misled by the Philly organization. Yeah, Philly, uh, they had to lower their asking price for sure. Um, they, they, I don't want to say they embarrassed themselves, but like, that's. Uh, you know, shit. it sounds like the yeah, it sounds like the Bears never ended up making an off, an offer. So it sounds like uh, it was just indie. well, it was all bullshit. I think it was just all bullshit coming from Philly, trying to make it sound like there was a big market, and there just wasn't. There never was. I'll tell you what. I got a neighbor who's an Eagles fan. I saw him getting out of the car the other day. I said, "Hey, how you feel about your Eagles now?" He said, "Oh, now that they traded him, I feel like I can wear this hat again." I it's. I I was caught off guard. I thought because I I'm like oof, you got to consider it a downgrade at the quarterback position, right? Like Hertz was okay, what, but for I Philly? yeah, yeah. I I still think Carson Wentz has some good football to play. I think it's a good deal for the Colts, and you know it, it's sounding like you would think naturally that okay, well the Eagles have have their guy QB, but it sounds like they're still going to be potentially aggressive in the draft and free agency. That guy's not an elite quarterback. Jalen Hurts is not. Listen, I've never been a Carson Wentz guy. I think you know that. Um, he's better than Jalen Hurts, objectively, I think. He certainly didn't show it last season. Sure, sure. Um, and real, like, weird holding on to the football, like, wild stuff he was doing. Yeah. Well, there's been some reports now that are in classic Eagles organization, right? Like they, they really, they will uh, railroad you on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah don't let the door hit you on the way out type organization. Um, so here comes the, uh, all the bad PR. Now it sounded like once quote unquote, couldn't handle being coached and was coddled. 
Sounds like he got multiple people fired. And I mean, anytime, like there were reports at service that him and Doug Peterson didn't talk for like six weeks during the season. That's insane. For that a starting quarterback yeah. and a head coach not to speak yeah. for even a week, yeah. let alone a, a string of six or seven together. Yeah. In in the dog days, the heart of an NFL season. I mean, that's insane. Absolutely insane. It's it's interesting, right? Because I, you know, you know this. I don't know how many of our listeners know this. Like, part of my job is to manage people, and I can't imagine a mm. scenario where I wouldn't speak to one of my employees yeah. for six weeks. Yeah, like how can you let how can you let ego get in the how can you not humble yourself and you know like whether it was their fault whether it was your fault whether they fucked up whether you fucked up well and like at some point you got to get let ego get out of it humble yourself and and get on with it right <laughs> it it could be a Carson Wentz thing right like and and this is the thing I think about a lot of like you know if you're a head coach in the National Football League and you're in a scenario where you could be coaching college and you walk in and you say to that kid in college, like, listen, you're going to do what I say, or you're not going to have a scholarship and you have yeah. no chance to ever make money or save in Miami Dolphins. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or you could go to the NFL and you're there and you're like, Hey Carson, how are you? And Carson just walks by you and you're like, yeah, he's making more money than you are. Right. Yeah. So. And you're like, Hey, like, I, I don't know who you think you are, but like, if you're going to be on this team, we're going to talk three times a week you're the starting quarterback i'm the head coach like we're gonna sit down for 20 minutes every week and talk about our game plan and where we're at and everything and he just walks out of the room and you're like okay well what can i do <laughs> what do i do with that it's um, probably you know one of those 50 50 or 70 25 things because i think we learned a lot about for doug sure. peterson for I, sure. I think we learned the way doug peterson left uh the philly job i think you know he's not going to put up with anything from anybody. I'll tell you. Uh, hey, let's let's go back. Uh, what would it be? Almost three months now. Um, how stupid does Doug Peterson look throwing that Sunday night football game for that team now? Yeah, I know. I know. It's just you know you fucking embarrass yourself nationally. And, and then insult everyone's losing, intelligence and, and pretend that wasn't a thing, and mm. then. They get rid of you to quarter. If you're like, oh, well, it's because they wanted the quarterback. Well, they got rid of the quarterback too. That whole, you know, you fucking embarrassed yourself for nothing. And I'll tell you at this point, I think of that embarrassment as more of a Doug Peterson thing than a Phillies organization thing. And that might be wrong, but just my, my first thought about that is like, oh, fuck Doug Peterson. I don't think fuck the Eagles. I think, oh, fuck Doug Peterson. Yep. I mean that's where the buck stops. It was his face all over it. Yeah, um, he was he was the one in front of the media trying to sell it like it was something that everybody else knew it wasn't. So went to Indy. My understanding is it's a two and a three, but that two turns into a one if Wentz plays seventy percent of snaps and they make the playoffs. I think is the the metric. So here's a question for you. Does that two turn into a one? Yeah, I mean, the only way he doesn't play 75% of the snaps is if he's hurt. Well, I can't imagine a scenario where Carson Wentz would be hurt. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. If he's 
if he's good enough to be out there, he's not going to get. He's going to get one full season at least. He won't play himself out of a job healthy in year one, and he'd have to look absolutely abysmal to do that. Yeah, I just I I really wonder between performance issues and health issues. I but those two caveats put together, I'm like, man, I don't know. Yeah, you know. Hey, one thing I mean, you know, but you can argue a better O line in Indy, even though they've got to replace Costanzo. But one thing nobody's talking about is T.Y. Hilton might not be back. Uh, there's some talent concerns at wideout. Yeah, there's no there's no weapons there if T.Y.'s not there. That that creates a very serious issue for them. Um, Man, I am sure I'm missing a million NFL stories still. You got anything off the top of your head here? Uh, I know Pat Mahomes had a baby this week. Um, yeah, good reason, for him. So I, I the had reason a, I bring it up is because I didn't really need like five ESPN updates about it. Or, I know, you know, I know, like two others from every other media. I um, had a, I, I had a good chuckle at that because the my my theory was like, you know, oh that explains this poor play at the end of the season. Like, yeah, you got a fucking seven months pregnant wife at home. <laughs> Your life's probably going to be a hard time. I love the headline for the Russell Wilson thing. Agent Wilson. Okay. In Seattle, but has a four team list. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't understand why they felt the need for four teams. If everything's all good, obviously yeah. everything's not good. Right. Anytime there's a list of teams, you got to watch out. And I, you know, I was surprised by it. I, I was surprised the Raiders were on there. And if I'm Jerry Jones, I mean, you know, there's been some Dakota Prescott stuff this week. Uh, so I, I, I saw I, some I, headlines, but didn't read them. What happened there? Well, I, you know, just more back and forth. And it sounds like he's maybe a bit ahead of schedule in his rehab. And it sounds like uh, the Jones family and the Cowboys aren't worried about the injury and they're willing to get the deal done now, but same old story. Dax asked him for too much. Doesn't want as many years, blah, 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 blah. I mean, he, he's got them at gunpoint because he knows they don't want to pay him 40 mil on the tag again this year. Yeah. Well, but, and what's their other option? Yeah. And he knows they got to get that number down. Um, but it got me thinking about it. The fact that, you know, the Cowboys are one of those teams on Russell Wilson's list. Um, Cause that's a clear upgrade for me. Yep. If I'm Jerry Jones, I, I want Russell Wilson. If, yep. it, you know, if it comes to paying Dakota Prescott, that kind of money, just give me Wilson. And like, not close. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. So um, we'll see how the cookie crumbles. There's still a lot of time. Of course, it's, we got the, the it's draft cr- and free agency coming up. It's cruel. I wouldn't. I I would not consider for a second giving Dak Prescott that money. Not. Well, they have no choice, right? Uh, well, there. I mean, the. So here's the thing, though. I I hear what you're saying, and I I don't think it's like a crazy argument, but Jimmy G is going to become available. Bridgewater is probably going to become available. Uh, I think there is an above average chance that Sam Darnold becomes available. 
Now, are any... Hear me out. Are any of those guys at the same level as Deck Prescott? I think the answer is clearly no, right? No. Uh, and, I, and, and not close. Well, I, I don't know about not close. Like, I honestly, like, I don't know how much worse Bridgewater is. I think Bridgewater is really underrated. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Garoppolo is going to stay put. Yeah. Well, the Garoppolo thing's an injury concern, even if he's not, right? Like, it, you know, if you're. Um, you know, if you're even a team like Indy or, or Philly previously, right. It's like, okay, you're going to get rid of one quarterback who's hurt all the time for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't, I don't know that that's a great move. Here's a prediction for Sam Darnold. Uh, if the Patriots don't get Bridgewater, don't be surprised if they pull a trigger on a Sam Darnold. I mean, why not? Uh, especially if it's low cost, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would be such a Patriots move to be like, hey, look at how we treated Cam. We didn't even release him at the end of the year. And you bring in Darnold, suck as much information out of him as you can and release him by week six. Um, I don't think that would be the plan. I think... Uh, it might not be the plan, but it might be the outcome, you know? Yeah, well, with with the skill position talent the Patriots currently roster... It's a rough um, go out there. And with talk today that Edelman might not even make it back next season... It's just I don't I'm, I'm not sure Bill realizes that to a certain extent it's not going to matter what quarterback they bring in. Yeah, I mean they could bring Brady back, right? I mean there's he's there's nobody for anybody to throw to. They've got absolutely nothing at tight end and very little to speak of at receiver. Very little to speak of. So, going back to the Dakota Prescott conversation. If you are given the option between bringing any of those three quarterbacks that I talked about in and you're paying those guys, let's say, $5 million a year and you've got Prescott who wants 32 how much bet? Like, so your team is 7% worse because you've gone from Dak Prescott to any of those guys, but how much better is your team with $27 million in cap space that you can use on, I don't know, what does Dallas need? A couple corners, a little bit of help up front on both sides of the ball. You know, if you can add three impact players and trade your above average quarterback for an average quarterback, I mean, it feels like a win to me. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see what Jerry Jones does there. Nothing would surprise me at this point. I have to think him and Dak finally work work out a deal. Yeah, uh, you I, have to think. Which I think is crazy town because that's just emotional shit. I'm like, what? why would you work out a long-term deal with a guy who's injured? Unless they do like a really low-guarantee, high-incentive type thing. Well, it sounds like they're not concerned about the injury whatsoever, which I, I think the nature of it, whereas it's not just a straightforward ACL tear. You know, there was bone protruding through skin, et cetera. Yeah. Dislocation. I, I would want to get a look on him, look at him I mean, uh, out there before I give him a long-term agreement. One other name that I think needs to be brought up too is uh, Marcus Mariota, currently uh, backing up Derek Carr for the Raiders. It's sounding like there's enough buzz out there that some team is going to bring him in and let him compete for a starting job. Some people are throwing the bears around. 
man, the Bears got to be real careful because they're going to turn into a laughing stock, you know, even more so than they are real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, as Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer has noted, and I concur concur 100% with, um, Bears GM Ryan Pace doesn't have next offseason to wait to find his quarterback. He's got to find one this season because if yep. he doesn't find one this season, he's not going to be around next offseason. And so, I... In a perfect world, you would maybe hope to get your long-term guy next offseason, whether it be the draft or free agency, but he's going to have to kick the can on either Marriott or Bridgewater or, God forbid, Cam Newton because, you know, it's it's make or break for Ryan Pace in Chicago. Well, I, I, would you – I would be shocked if the Hallis family let him sign somebody to a long-term guaranteed yeah I don't you know I don't think it's going to be that but I think he's going to have to you know no but what I'm saying is that there's going to have guys to be an improvement over Foles and, and Trubisky right no, no I maybe I, Bridgewater's that guy maybe but if you, Bridgewater gets released does he want to do a one year deal well you might have no choice right I mean if you know if you're going on your third team in three years and you just got released I, I don't think it really matters what your context is between you and me, like, has Bridgewater done anything to deserve to be released? No, no. I I thought he played admirably. I thought the Panthers largely overachieved. I really I, did. I thought that defense was garbage, and the only reason they were in any games yeah. was because of Bridgewater in that offense. Yeah. yeah, and the and the way they have their their money structured on offense was so much in in uh, in McCaffrey. Very yeah. little to speak of elsewhere as far as playmaking talent. Sound like Curtis Samuel's going to walk him free agency. Um, you kind of need that sort of quarterback who's very cerebral, like yeah, uh, yeah. like Bridgewater. Yeah, I thought Bridgewater played admirably, but I guess the owner is still adamant because it's a new owner, right? And I, I can understand that. Like, well, he's I one of these bought, hedge fund guys too, right? Yeah, yeah. And if I just bought a pro team, let alone an NFL team, um, I'd be pretty hands-on in wanting to find my, you know, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type for sure. So I can understand that. Well, I, think I can understand why the Panthers are players for Deshaun Watson. I get it. Those kind of guys are like, they they love analytics and shit, and I'm sure some of the analytics say, and I, I think we looked at this a few weeks ago, like how many Super Bowls have been won without an elite quarterback? So you've got all the Brady since, ones. Since Trent Dilfer for the 2000 Ravens and Brad Johnson for the 02 Bucks, there have been very little right? uh, to answer that question. So you've got Brady. You've got Mahomes. Um, I'm going to count Roethlisberger. I think he's been a top five quarterback for a, a lot of that time. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Peyton great Manning. points. Peyton Manning, right? Um and you know, so, we, we already talked about Wentz tonight and, you know, the Foles, Wentz, Super Bowl, however you want to classify Yeah, that so one. so your outliers are like Foles. Um, I mean, yeah, Wilson's probably in the elite category, even though he's well, only got... Yeah, the, yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm just saying he's, he's only got the yeah. one, right? He's not a yeah, repeat well, defender. He's there. in Rogers' territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're, they're probably looking at this being like, hey, like if you don't got a guy... It's it's not happening if you don't got a guy. So we got to go get a guy. Yeah, the two best defenses I've ever watched were the aforementioned 2000 Ravens defense and the 02 Bucks defense, and both those teams had 
the two quarterbacks I named, Dilfer and Johnson. Uh, so did and even nothing, today, if you really, yeah, and if even today, in you might undersell NFL, that Bears defense from like '06 or whatever it was. Yeah. That Bears defense was really good with Erlocker and um Yeah, the one where Rex Grossman Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Devin Hester returned the kickoff and then they lost to the Colts. Yeah. Um but yeah, so even if you had today's if you had the the OO Ravens or the O two Bucks today, I don't think you win a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson at quarterback. I still yeah. do think you need a better quarterback. I think well, those days have passed. I think there's a reason it was the year two thousand and the year two thousand two and you know, we're 18, 19 years removed from They them. just don't let you play football like that anymore. It's not the same physical game it used to be. You know, part of the ethos of those teams was that they made it hurt. Yeah. This was why I wasn't sure John Lynch was going to get in. Because part of the reason John Lynch was so effective was because you didn't just have to worry about the safety hitting you. You had to worry about John Lynch hitting you, which was a violent encounter. That would have been a penalty in most cases nowadays. Yep. Um, I hope we get back to that one day. Uh, anything else on uh, the... Go ahead. Well, just, just to speak to that, I was watching uh, Oliver Stone's 1999 hit Any Given Sunday the other night oh. featuring Al Pacino, Lawrence Taylor, Jim Brown, et cetera, et cetera, LL Cool J, Jamie Foxx, you name it. Of course, LL. Um, but yeah, I mean, you watch some of the, the scenes of the in-game play and it's like, man, if there was a hit like that, there would be six flags on the six field. Six flags, yeah. And in 1999, in a movie, should like, be targeting. Yeah, exactly. But in the 1999 context, you're like, oh, wow, what a physical sport. Like, this is really a gladiator thing. And it's like, oh, wait, like 85% of the plays we've seen wouldn't fly in today's NFL. And it was only from 1999, so it's a bit depressing. Dude, watch a 2005 Ravens-Steelers game. Yep. And I'll tell you what, you want to take it a step further. What is it, 2021? So watch a, uh, what would it be, 2016 Ravens-Bengals, or pardon me, Steelers-Bengals game. That game where fucking Juju you know, really stamped his mark as being part of the Steelers where he knocked perfect the fuck out with a blindside block, which in fairness, I think he got tossed from that game for. Mm. Um, nobody's crying any tears for Vontae. And Burfitt. nobody's crying any tears for Vontae. Perfect. Fuck that guy. Instead of Arizona state fans, I guess. Um, you know, like there were some violent football games and I'm sorry, but I say that in a good way. Like, I, you know, <laughs> you're talking to a guy who likes violence. We're going to talk about UFC and boxing after this. So, uh, you know, the NFL is trying to get away from that and become whatever it is becoming. But uh, what it does mean, it, to bring us back to our point, is that success is going to be found on the offensive side of the ball. You used to be able to be successful by being a violent, aggressive, physical defense. And that is not a thing that will happen anymore. I'm, I I, I would love to be wrong, but I, I have a hard time imagining a world where uh, they let something like that happen. Um, I've got three UFC shows I want to talk about here. Do you have anything from the NFL before we do that? 
Well, no, there's we've got all all off season for the NFL. There's a lot of UFC to get to. All right. So last week I said to you that fight night last week, I would have rather that been the main event of that should have been on the the pay per view the week before. Um, I stand by that. Derek, my balls is hot. Lewis knocks out Curtis Blades in the second round. Um, a fight that Lewis looked like he was, or pardon me, that Blades looked like he was winning handedly. Yeah, yeah he looked good early. I and, and I would say almost for all of the time, right? I mean, it was there was a minute twenty six left in the second round, so I mean. In the eight minutes and 30 seconds leading up to this moment, Blades looked like he was winning. He landed some good shots, looked like he might have shook Lewis a couple of times. Um, and then all of a sudden, he comes in for a shoot. Lewis hits him with a shot that, like, I watched that replay so many times, and I still don't see where there is enough impact to knock a man out. But I'll tell you what. Oh man, Come Curtis on. Blades was not. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Shit. I'm not saying it's rigged or any of that shit. I'm saying it doesn't look like much when you look at it, right? It he looks like. Got... Yeah, he would have fallen flat on his face, but Lewis actually caught him while his body was limp and pushed him. So that's why he fell on his back. Some people were confused about that. And as far as the knockout goes, that's one that, to me, sounded like a hammer on a two by four. It literally sounded like a hammer hitting wood to yeah, me. Yeah, if you include the and sound, it was, it's, yeah. Yeah, and what made it so vicious for Blades was he was coming forward for the yeah. takedown. Like, it was that saying, you know, like an immovable force, it's an immovable object or whatever it is, right? Like, it was momentum hitting momentum. And you could tell Lewis, who I thought was flat-footed, and he even admitted after the fight that he just didn't have his game. He couldn't get going, even in the warm-up in the back. Um, didn't feel right. And you can tell... His training camp, like, they queued up that move. They were waiting for him. Everybody knew Blades was going to shoot. I thought Blades did a good job by waiting until, like, it just goes to show you that it didn't matter how long you waited. Lewis was going to outweigh him. Lewis was very patient. The patience Which, paid off. Well, it's interesting, but I, I would argue that, like, given that, like, if I'm Blades, I'm like, oh, I'm just winning standing here boxing. I Maybe yeah. I just do that the whole time. Like, well, that's just it. In the first round, he... He tried to shoot like, in the first round. Yeah. It, it was kind of like a chess game because it was like, I know you know what I'm going to do, and I know you know what I know. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like reverse psychology. It's and, the poker thing. I know that yeah, you know that I know that you know. Yeah. Exactly. And he faked a couple takedowns early and then was able to hit him with his hands. And it, and looked, right. like, it looked like when he would go for those takedowns that Lewis was loading up to knock him the fuck out. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And he was like, well, maybe I don't need to do that. Because even if you're defending the takedown, you still drop your hands. Yeah. Right? And so that was working good for Blades. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back on it, yeah, he should have stuck with that going into the second. But at some point, especially if you're up in your mind one nothing, because I believe the knockout was in the second, right? Yeah, it was. Yep. Anyway. If you're if you think you're playing with house money, at some point you might want to look into trying your strength out, right? Like going for the jugular. Like he knew if he got a takedown in round two, he was probably gonna win that round. So he was probably just thinking, Okay, I've got that one round, I'm playing with house money. Now let's see if I can finish this, go for the takedown. But Lewis was very patient and it paid off. 
He was lucky because, man, was he flat-footed. He looked like he was on skates even when he wasn't getting hit. Didn't Did not look ready to be at that level. Um, He's nowhere near the athlete blades. Is. I know, but the power. The power is insane. Yeah, and I, I, it's insane. It is insane. And I, I sent you a screenshot. He's, dro- Go ahead. He's dropped 20 pounds since I – the first night I watched him fight was the night uh, – Khabib jumped the fence and went after Connor's uh, entourage, and that was the night Derek Lewis came back in thrilling fashion against Volkov, a fight that he was losing to the last moments. And he was too, like he was cutting weight for that fight. He was yeah. walking around 280, yeah. cutting down to the 265 limit. Now he doesn't cut weight. He walks around at like 260, 265, and the power is exactly the same. Well, and he's been saying uh, his last fight before, for this one and I, I apologize for not remembering it he was saying like he wanted to get ready for five rounds yep. he right he's been trying to work himself into shape so that he's ready to do five rounds and i remember before this fight that the last one he had it was probably oof, november or september or something where he, he, he basically what he said was like they were like, are you going to be able to come back in two months? And he was like, nah, man, like I got to lose more weight. I got to get in better shape. I got to be able to like go longer. And I thought that might've been an issue for him. And, and this is the other part that like makes it confusing for me. Why blades is going for takedowns in the second round is like a guy like Lewis has never gone five rounds, bring him into deep water, make him show that, you know? Um, and honestly, yeah, there's a world where if you're Blades, you're like, okay, so I won the first round on points. Even if I lose the second round, I think he was winning the second round, but even if he loses yeah. the second round, it's like, fine. Lose two and three. As long as you won that first one, go just win it in four and five and just try not to get caught by anything. Uh, but this right. brings to the point that I messaged you the other day. is like some somebody put on Reddit like, he's not that good. How does he keep getting away with this? Um someone else said the best worst fighter in UFC and they said they got to be good for 25 minutes he only got to be good for one second and that's it like that's the god honest truth with Derek Lewis is like you make one mistake and the fight is over yep go back to what I just talked about UFC 229 Las Vegas Nevada Alexander Volkov tell you all about that he was winning 99% of that fight until the, the last couple seconds and that was all Lewis needed um, but yeah, Lewis, uh, that fight before Blades, it was the Alexei Olenek fight and only went 21 seconds into the second round. Yeah, um, and he was talking about how he was going to yeah try to train. And now, the word is now is that he wants Alistair over him next, and he wants it to be a three-round fight. So we'll see if he gets his wishes there, because Lewis is in a very unique spot right now. Whereas Stipe and Nagano still have to settle their business. And then John Jones is lined up after that. Yeah, exactly. And John Jones is in the wings. Meanwhile, Derek Lewis is the, you know, number two, number three guy. He's just beaten Blades, the guy ranked under him. Yeah, that's you know, so- it's either put him on ice or give him the fight he wants. And even though Overeem's coming off a loss. Uh, it sounds like Lewis really wants him. It sounds like Overeem spoke poorly of Lewis's uh, hot balls comment, uh, referred to it as childish humor, and Lewis did not like that. Lewis is the kind of guy that is never going to talk bad about a guy, but if you say his name, 
he's, he's not gonna he has interest all of that. a sudden yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and he does view uh overeem as a future hall of famer and, and legend and some of these guys legacy wise want to get these guys before they get out that's interesting. I so I I just think give him over him because, like I said, until we have Nagano and Stipe settle their business, there's really not much for Lewis to do. So might as well stay active instead of putting him on ice. That seems to be the popular thing now. Everybody wants to put people on ice, but I don't know if it's good. I I hear what you're saying. I I still live in a fantasy land where I think John Jones shouldn't get a title shot going up a weight class like this. Yeah, no, I agree. Um. I, I think heavyweight power and light heavyweight power are different things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Jones is in the gym putting on the weight. Yeah. And there's by the sounds of it. What is it? So the light heavyweight division two Oh five. Yeah. So, but everybody basically plays at two Oh five, right? There's no, nobody's coming in at one ninety five or whatever the lower end would yeah. be. Well, um, next week we're going to see Adesanya move up to 205 to fight the champ Lehovitz. Uh Adesanya on record not putting on any more weight. So he'll be I fighting at his usual. Um, I don't weight? see it. I, I, so we're, we're, we can talk about this now if you want or, or hold it. Mm. But like, I'll, spoiler alert, I got Blahovitz and yeah, he he's, can't, yeah, he can't let Jan touch him. He's a plus, he's a plus 250 underdog right now right now adesanya is a huge favorite and i i i never love underdogs in this sport and i love lohovitz i have not i don't get it with adesanya how's how's that for a thing guys 20 and oh i can't believe i'm saying this shit but like you know the guy's last fight um uh, was against paulo costa who Mm. I thought wasn't wasn't ready to be there, right? No, it was Yolo Romero just to a lesser extent. And and the Yolo the Romero fight, I you know, I mean, it got Romero cut from the business, right? So I I, said, listen, I get that, but what? Let's let's be real about what happened. Romero decided this guy can't move forward. The only thing he knows how to do is counterpunch. So I'm going to embarrass him. I'm just going to stand in the middle of the ring and force him to come at me and see what he does. Because if the if the scoring is uh, striking, then grappling, uh, then uh, what is it? Ground control. And then last is octagon presence, ring presence in that order, as, as Joe Anik will say at the beginning of all these shows then I'm, I'll tell you what, I think I can win on ring presence because if I don't do anything, he won't do anything. And here's the crazy thing. He was right. Yuho Romero was right that if you stand in the middle of the ring and do nothing, Adesanya ain't going to do anything. He's going to spend yeah, the whole time waiting enough. for you to do stuff. Yeah, but in the process, he touched him enough from distance to outpoint him, and therefore win the fight. No, so the, like, the, once that's once that got old by like round three, uh, Romero probably should have changed. No, the we 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 talked about it at the time. There, that I I'm telling you, if you take away this like champions advantage concept, right? The idea that like you have you you don't only have to Romero win a didn't ground. Touch him. Dude, he had Adesanya running from him in the fourth round. 
he had Adesanya with his back turned to him running away from him in the ring. But Adesanya was touching him two and three times as he retreated. I don't... I. I I think so. I'll tell you this. I think you're forgetting how bad that fight was. Because, yeah, it was embarrassing. No, no, yeah, yeah. Because because it was like it was literally like seven attempts, you know, per fighter for an entire round. And yeah. I think Romero's numbers stood up. I, I and I'm not trying. Like this isn't what we want UFC to be. But my my point here is. It's like Rosenstruck tonight, just not enough output, just nowhere near enough output to even have a chance to get your hand raised. Same thing with Romero in that yeah. fight. Yeah, but I, I, I would argue that Adesanya didn't have much more output in that fight. But I, we, we don't need to relitigate 2020 fights. Hmm. Um, I, listen, Adesanya's got a name, and, and it's deserved in a lot of ways, but like going up a weight class... He hasn't, like, you know, he beat Gastelum, be he beat Whitaker. Like, okay, this, this guy this hasn't Polish been power. hit. This guy yeah. hasn't been hit like the Polish no. power can hit no, you. he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't. Now, he with hasn't. that said, Adesanya's biggest skill is not getting hit. So yeah. that, you know, it might be yeah. that the Polish power just never actually lands a punch. Yeah. I think he outpoints him. You think Adesanya outpoints? Uh, I do. The other guy? Yeah, Blackwood? Yeah, gets the decision. Yeah, I do. But if, if Young connects, I think... <laughs> Is he's in for a rough night? Because we saw him stand there and trade with Gaslam, which I, yeah. I will die on the hill that says that's one of the best fights I've ever seen. Um, but Kelvin Gaslam doesn't have the same power that Jan Blowich does. Yeah, it's that's all there is to it. Uh, something I think you and I can both agree on: this uh, um, uh, women's fight, Nunez Anderson. What a fucking joke that thing is. Yeah, poor Megan Anderson. I've made my feelings well known on this podcast. Uh, I root for her. I'll be rooting for her in this fight. Um, but let me be straight; she doesn't stand a chance. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in losing to the best female fighter on the planet. There's no shame in that. Well, that's... someone's got to finish second to Amanda Nunes, and you know, uh, I think it's it's an honorable thing. I for anyone. To expect Megan Anderson to go in there and shock the world, uh, you know, I'd love to see it, but I, I just don't see it happening. So my question about her would be like, uh, and sorry about Nunez to be specific, at some point the UFC's got to figure out what they're going to do here because she's got exactly. no contenders. No, exactly. Once, once she ran through Cyborg and ran Cyborg out of the company, uh, that was it. Right, I mean, they're in a similar spot that they were with, uh, believe it or not, Ronda Rousey at one point. Now we eventually learned that the Ronda Rousey thing was a bit of a a farce to begin with, and she wasn't the fighter we all thought she was. But uh, let me believe me that believe you this: uh, Amanda Nunes is the real deal. There's no uh, no ifs ands or buts about that. And yeah, at some point they're gonna have to do the the trilogy fight that's already two nothing Amanda and they're going to have to give her a bullet, uh, Shevchenko, but does Shevchenko, does the Shevchenko go up again? Like she's not going to want to go down to that weight since she has two titles above that. So, yeah, I'm not sure how they worked that one out. I just know that the best fighter, female fighter in the world is Amanda Nunes. And the second one is, uh, Valentino, the bullet Shevchenko. Yep. And, and the third and the third one's probably Whaley Zhang. And honestly, yeah. if you put if you put Whaley Zhang in there and Shevchenko, I'm not sure Zhang doesn't get her hand raised. 
it's a shame that since, and I know we haven't seen Joanna fight either, but it's a shame that since the Joanna Whaley Zhang fight, I was, I found myself Googling Whaley Zhang next fight, quote unquote, the other night because I was curious to see what the hell's going on. I, and they I'm got nothing, we eh? yeah. No, we haven't heard anything announced. There's been speculation that there might be a, a UFC card coming up in Singapore. And mm. trust me when I say this, the UFC would definitely love to have Whaley Zhang headline that one because uh, 1FC, one of their main competitors, is based in Singapore and it's huge in China. I think anything that anything that goes on in Singapore, you can count on two things. It will be going down in the English language. God love that. And it will be covered massively in China. Um, I wonder if they would be interested in that kind of fight when you could just run back Zhang Joanna. Yeah, Unless I, that's what they're looking for for Singapore, yeah. right? But like, I, yeah, I, I think if they're, I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard anything on the horizon for Joanna. I think, yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah. You've got Rose in there, but yeah, Rose hasn't done anything to earn a new title shot, though, in my opinion, at least. Um, all right. So let's take a look at uh, UFC. Was it two fifty nine? Coming up, 258, 259. 259, yeah. Okay. Three titles. Uh, first title of Fight of the Night, Peter Yawn in his first defense of his belt. Versus, and this uh, is, this I think, Aljamain is the banger Sterling. of the night, right? Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's been a long time coming. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is, yeah, he's deserved a shot for a while. It's nice to see that they're going to handle, take care of business, see what happens. But, yeah. In in a perfect world, I think it should be the second last fight of the night. But Nunez is a big name. Yeah, I I honestly like you can't put her in that third spot because you'll get some weird like yeah hippie people being upset. But yeah. I'll tell and, you this: like I I looked at one, I, I looked at Sports Interaction to see if I could bet on Nunez, and they said I have to bet seven hundred to win a hundred, and I was yeah. like, that's too much. And then I looked at the other website, and they said I had to bet twelve hundred to win a hundred. And yep. I was like, okay, so this is yeah, exactly. we we all agree on where we're at with this thing. Yep, Megan Anderson is long, and she'll be able to touch Amanda from range. The only problem there is, there's like once Amanda decides she wants to come forward, there's going to be nothing that's able to stop her. Yeah, on her feet and on the ground. I like Yawn in this fight, but yep, I'm not even I, a little surprised if Sterling yeah, comes no, out and does no. work. No, they're both badasses. And I'm not going to be surprised either or. That's one where I wouldn't want to be putting money down because God knows what happens. I'll tell you who it's, I'll be putting money on. It's sounding like the winner could get maybe TJ, TJ Dillashaw. Stay tuned on that one. Um, I'm going to have money on Thiago Santos. I am on the Thiago yep. Santos yep. train. Well, it's his first fight since the John Jones fight, yeah. yeah. He's finally back from the knee injury. Um, and the guy he's fighting is an, a huge fast up-and-coming riser rackage who he yeah anthony smith he really took it to smith too that was a hard fight to watch yeah and i this is just like from a betting standpoint this is the sweet spot right we got a guy coming off a loss a guy coming off a win the guy coming off a win is the favorite you know there there's a reason that santos was in there with john jones yeah <laughs> you know yeah. um so we'll see how that goes but like i 
I, I really like Santos in this spot. I think there's a lot of value there that uh that I expect to be taken. You know what's what I love what ahead. I love about this card and what really shows me how stacked this card is is we've got a Dominic Cruz fight and we've got a Joseph Benavides fight both on the prelim cards, not even on the main card. Yeah, well the Dominic Cruz thing like, you know. Well, yeah, it's it's either win or retire, I would say. Yeah. I'll tell you, and, and honestly, uh, win or lose, I think this is Benavidez's last one. So we could see if Benavidez wins this fight. My prediction is he will leave his gloves in the middle. Yeah. Um, go spend his time with his wife Megan O'Leary there, and uh, Dominic Cruz. If he loses, I think he could leave his gloves in the in the middle of the ring. But if Cruz wins, he's going to keep on fighting because he he wants to make one last run. I my favorite thing about this. Um... It's the first time in a long time on a pay-per-view that you've got 14 fights. Like yeah. it, they've, It's going to be a long night. Yeah. It's be a long night. I, and I, I mean that in a good way. I yeah. love these long ones where, but they've, they've had a run here where it's COVID, been. Right? Yeah. No, no, I, I, I know COVID, but like there, there's been a run where it's like they do a, fucking 16 fight night but it's a fight it's a fight night it's like just a normal you know your headliners this fucking garbage we watch tonight which you'll know we haven't even talked about it was so bad yeah i mean you uh, know dominant performance by gone good things on the way for him but going I mean, by, you know rosenstruck no showed just, and gone didn't yeah. show the star yeah. potential you need at heavyweight like I, rosenstruck has one strong attribute it's counter punching and when you're that one dimensional and you can't figure out how to do anything else in the midst of a five round fight, it becomes a major, major problem. Well, let me ask you this. Do you like gone against Lewis? I do. I do. Oh, I, that's really? A, okay. Okay. That's why I was going to say like the, the heavyweight division is in really since the first time Stipe fought Daniel Cormier, you know, of those three fights, it's we, I just feel like we've been stuck in the mud in the heavyweight division. Like there's so much, to settle and you can't settle it until we finish uh, till we get this Stipe uh, Francis stuff figured out. But well, yeah, and I, adding I, Jones to the mix doesn't exactly, fucking help. Right? It like puts everything yeah. in a stalled position for does, eight months. It does. And I, I think Cyril gone and Derek Luce make a lot of sense. I, I really do. But it sounds like Derek Luce wants over him. And I think he deserves to get over him if he wants him. Yeah. Um, Looking at some of the other fights tonight, like, man, there there wasn't a lot on this card that was interesting. But this is all to say that, like, you um, could have had you could have had a main event like tonight. Now it's and and I have said to you in the past, right, you, where you've had a main event like tonight. Listen, Gone versus Rosenstruck was not, you know, it wasn't even Blades Lewis, right? But there were nine fights tonight, and there have been times where it's been the opposite, where. You have a pay-per-view one week, and the previous week you have a fight night, and the fight night's got 14 fights on it, and the pay-per-view has five on the main event and four on the prelims. I am so happy that they've got, you know, right now it looks like they've got six early prelims, four regular prelims, um, and then, of course, your main card with uh, five fights there. Um Early prelims starting at six. Tim Elliott didn't he just fight? Nah, he always just fought. Um, I, I'm so happy UFC is doing this instead of what they used to do. Like, there's yeah, lock me in for a long night of UFC. I am ready. 
Uh, I'm going to be in Saskatchewan. My wife will be joining me that weekend. So it's, you know, I say this knowing that like, I'm going to hopefully roll into a bar at 5 PM because bars are open in Saskatchewan. I hope I pray. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's too much time on that. Go ahead. Yeah, just a final note for me, as far as this fight night card goes, I was a bit late getting off work and getting in, and I missed a couple fights that as soon as we finish recording this, I am going to go over to MMA Core and watch. Uh, I see that Tiago Moses beat Alexander Hernandez tonight. Hernandez is a guy whose career I've been following since he fought Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, I thought he was going to get the jump on Moses tonight, so I'm yeah. surprised wasn't, to see that he wasn't lost. Wasn't that um, interesting a fight, to be honest. Yeah, really? yeah no, I'm... I'm I'm shocked. I thought Hernandez was going to get his hand raised, so I'm eager to go take a look at why he lost that fight. Another one I was disappointed that I didn't see live, but I'm looking to see the looking forward to seeing the replay of is uh, Pedro Munoz's win over Jimmy Rivera. Uh, I thought if that Jimmy fight Rivera, was a banger, yeah, I thought if Jimmy Rivera got the win here tonight, that very good things, very big things were on the way for him, given uh, the run he's had lately. But really, the opposite needs to be said about Pedro Munoz. Uh, the guy does keep keeps doing big things. Uh, I'm eager to see uh, the replay of that fight. Who did Munoz? Yeah, he lost to Frankie Edgar. Yeah, that was a interesting one. And lost to Sterling right before that. Uh, one final note that I do want to say, though, is I see that the fight after the Jimmy Rivera fight, uh, Bueno Silva versus Montana De La Rosa, well enough, we were talking about Megan Anderson earlier. Uh, Del Rosa has a W over Megan Anderson. Interesting that she never got to fight Nunes, though. Um, but I see that it was uh, ruled a majority draw. Yeah. I have a bit of an issue with that. Now, I haven't watched the fight, but you have three judges there employed to do a job. And to me, they didn't do their job tonight. You know? Like, no, no, they did. They did. Like, score the fight. No, you know? it's like, a. It, so. It was a point deduction because uh, Silva yeah, grabbed, grabbed the, the cage. cage. Yeah. Okay. Um, but still, I mean, like, give me a winner. Give me a loser here. Like, what What are you doing? What are we well, doing here? I, draw? I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I think the better argument here is that if two people say it's a draw and the other person says somebody won, then that person should win. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it should. Yeah. I, 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 I understand what you're saying. Um. Now, in that case, the winner would have been uh, De La Rosa because Silva was in a position where she could not win the fight, essentially, right? Um, I said I said to my wife, I was looking at the live betting for it, and basically people are better at doing the math than I am because going into the third round, De La Rosa was favored at minus 177. So anytime it's minus, it's you would need to bet this many dollars to win a hundred. And so it was uh, minus 177, then minus 185, then minus 200, then minus 225. And I was like, man, I don't want to spend all this money on that. Um, And these are all a push on a draw, right? And then I realized, I'm like, yeah, this girl, like all you're fading here is a knockout or a submission, right? If you bet De La Rosa between the second and the third round to win the fight, there were three possibilities. One, Silva knocks her out or submits her in the third round, in which case you lose your money, and yet you, you have to live with that. Uh, but two is that Silva wins the round and it's a draw, or three, she loses the round and you end up winning. 
Um, so, you know, the reason that line moved so fast was I think people realized, like, this is as safe a bet as you could really find. One of the possibilities was eliminated, absolutely. Um, I thought that Silva won the first round, even though she held on to the cage. Um, I think reasonable people could think that Della Rosa won that first round too. The first round was pretty close. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. The majority draw is weird to me where you're like, well, two out of three people said it was a draw. And I'm like, well, if two people, then, okay, that's a tie. Then what's the third person say? Why do we have three people here? Uh, and why are we employing people who had one responsibility to do and that was make a decision and they couldn't make no, a decision? No, no, but they, 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 it was taken out of their hands. The ref did a point deduction. So unless, and, and I, I don't mean this sarcastically, but unless you want to make it so that if the ref does a point deduction, then automatically the other person wins the round, then the judges are kind of fucked there, right? Because it was really a 9-9. If, you're, if you think, like I thought, Silva did enough, you know, Bruno Silva did enough in that round to win the round, but she had the point deduction. Then that becomes a nine nine, and you're you run the risk of having this draw nonsense. Um, so I I don't so much blame the judges as much as like just the structure of scoring uh, that we have for some of this stuff. Uh, you want to talk about blaming the structure? Canelo Alvarez fought tonight. Like, why are we doing this? What's up, boxing? You know what I mean? Like. You you got Floyd, you Floyd got, did Floyd fight him at the right time? Holy, you got some. Fu- I, I'll tell you what. I think Floyd still beats him. Um, you got Canelo out there, so he gets out of his gold. Like I'll tell. By the way, this stinks to fucking. This stinks to high heaven. Canelo Alvarez was signed to Golden Boy slash zone. He files a lawsuit, gets out of those deals. But all of a sudden, he's still on zone all the time. Yeah, I noticed that. Right? But he's on Matchbook now. He's got Eddie Hearn. No more Oscar De La Hoya, just Eddie Hearn. Um, and he's fighting nobodies. He's fighting fucking nobodies. Now, the last fight, you can say, like, he fought a champion. Because he did. The guy who was fighting had a belt at whatever level uh, or weight class. But he... He, he was clearly not in Canelo's class, but he had a belt. So I like, I can give that shit a pass. Um, this fight was a joke. They took some guy from Turkey with like a 22 and two record. And we're like, all right, go out there. And the guy quit after the second round. Now, whether he quit or the doctor called it or whatever. I mean, he got hit hard a few times. He clearly had no defense for the kind of offense that Canelo is going to be able to bring to him. Um, but that, that was, if I paid whatever those people in Miami paid to be in hard rock stadium, I'd be furious. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? I cannot. I really can't. Is there anything worse? Like, is there anything more extreme than boxing? Like between a good fight and a bad fight? You know what I mean? Like we have our NFL snoozers, and you it's know true. we have our bad Thursday night matchups and whatnot. And I get that, and there's blowouts, but I mean the the difference between just like you know a, a Wilder Fury one 
and what we saw tonight in boxing. Like, Absolutely. you know, like the difference. Even that like, Ruiz-Joshua fight. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. The, you know, like a fan leaving the building those two nights. You know? Yeah. Like it's, just, it's absolutely night and day. My favorite was I, I thought they were going to wait until the main event of the UFC was done to start this, and they did not. But both fights started walkouts at the same time. And the UFC was going into the third round by the time Canelo got into the ring, because <laughs> because he had some like hip hop yeah. thing happening yeah. and all yeah. that fucking nonsense. It was insane. It was like when uh, Fury came out for the second Wilder fight. Yeah, exactly. And then Wilder with the heavy costume, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, and then he he blames it on that. Yep. Listen, I think boxing... Can't wait for Joshua Fury. I think Fury's going to dominate him. I'm very interested in that. I, I don't want to underestimate Joshua, but I'm I'm interested in that fight. I think boxing's got a real problem that they're going to have to figure out. Well, I, I think we've seen some of the vacuum uh, with the Jake Paul stuff. And I was just yep. going to say, I, I'm looking forward to Ben Askren and Jake Paul coming out. Uh, it was By the way, yesterday. I think Paul wins that fight. I, like I hate to say um, it, but I think he's yeah, gonna win that. No, nah, I'm taking Askren. I, I think it's a competition, and the better competitor is gonna win this one. Uh, I'm fair. gonna go with Askren. Yeah, I think even bad MMA hands is better than good YouTube hands. I'm gonna, you know, if that's not right, then my world won't make sense after the Paul <laughs> fight. We'll see. But it, it was announced that. Uh, Frank Mir is going to be on the undercard of that. I forget who said he was fighting, though. Um, yeah, Antonio Tarver. So another kind of a crossover fight there. A, a pro boxer takes on a former MMA guy. Are they putting that on zone, or they, do they want me to actually pay for that shit? Because I can't see a world where I'm actually you yeah, know, no, handing money over for that. Yeah, no one's going to actually pay for that. Um, yeah. But just on the Paul brothers, the Floyd versus Logan Paul fight recently fell through. Of course. And, like, that brings up a lot of questions. Like, that brings up a question like, has Floyd spit the bit? Is no one interested in Floyd anymore? Or was it more to do with Logan Paul? I think it was more to do with Logan Paul. I think people were a bit perturbed when they found out he was fighting Logan and not Jake Paul. Um I think there's only one Paul people want to see fight anymore, and it's Jake. And well, as far as Floyd listen, goes, Jake's, I mean, Floyd, Jake's the meme. I'm not like I. I, I Floyd's I, gonna have to pivot somehow. I he doesn't. He made three hundred million dollars. Like you know, he that's the thing. Yeah. I'm with his spending habits. That's man, true. That's I wouldn't true. be surprised he might, if he's he could out of go money. broke. He could go broke. Yeah. Like there's nothing more falsely reported than than Floyd's. You know current income because it's you know it's a fluid daily number right like the way you know you gotta wonder if he if he's got like investments in anything you would hope right if you made that much money you put some investments in some things that are blowing up but so you were saying something about jake paul being a meme and i cut you off well just uh, with that knockout of the Knicks guy nate robinson yeah like that's the marketing power of that goes further than any Logan Paul Mayweather fight was ever going to do. Right. So I can understand people being like, okay, well, if you're not fighting this guy, then who fucking cares? Cause he's the guy now. Like he's, he is the boxing meme. If you look at, show me a gift that you've seen about boxing in the last two years. That wasn't that. 
Well, there was a lot with the Fury Undertaker revival stuff. But... Uh, okay, sure. But like actual boxing, I know what you mean. I know like what you actual mean. Yeah, like yeah. in ring, one guy hitting the other guy, sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um. So that's that's that part's interesting to me because in a in a very strange way, Logan Paul or Jake Paul, I don't know which one I'm talking about anymore, but that guy's the face of boxing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the freak show fight in some ways is going to carry boxing for the next little bit. Well, it's got to, cause they don't, yeah. what else do they have? Exactly. I, listen, I thought it was sketchy as fuck that at the end of the Canelo fight tonight, they announced his next, they had a video yeah. package set Billy up to Joe. announce his next fight. Saunders. No, that was a pitcher. Billy Joe. Yeah. May yeah, 8th or Saunders. something, yeah, but they Billy were Joe already, Saunders. they were sure that, you know, like they, they just, they're like, yeah, put this fucking thing together. Cause we're sure that in yeah. three months he's yeah. going to be able to turn it around. Cinco de Mayo. As, far, as long they're, as Canelo is, they're gonna make so much money. Yeah, as long as Canelo is, you know, above ground with a pulse, you know, still able to put on gloves, he will be fighting Cinco de Mayo weekend. That Latino audience, yeah. Latinx, whatever we're calling it, yeah. uh, the you know those they guys, like they're they like a fight and they love that guy, yeah. and. That's why that I mean, guy's that gonna build glass. him out of as much money as humanly possible. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, filthy sport. My comment earlier about like how sketchy that whole disowned Golden Boy thing is is that like you know you got Canelo standing beside Eddie Hearn in the middle of the ring at the end. Like it really seems like looking back on it now, given that all of that is on DAZN, it really looks like. The issue was not DAZN. It, it was, was, it was getting away from Golden Boy, yeah. and he yeah. wanted to deal with Matchbook instead. Now he he, yeah. I don't think he has a deal, unless I like I might have missed a headline somewhere. But like, I I think he's doing like a fight by fight thing, and that's fine. Um, but he clearly had enough of that Golden Boy shit and yeah. thought it would be better to be over there. And you know, I hate to say it, um, but by all accounts, it sounds like Delaware has a, a cocaine problem. Oh, is that a real thing? Yeah, no. It, I mean, that's it, ever since uh, he got Chuck Liddell and Tito in there and, you know, made basically a fool of himself in every press conference leading up to that fight. Right. Not being able to pronounce their names right, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's... That's where all his money's going lately is up his nose from what I can decipher. Well, and word is that he was ready to get back in the ring, so that's the kind of thing you yeah, exactly. do. Exactly, yeah, and I, I even said it on yeah. the show. I said it on the show. I said, like, that's crazy talk. Like, what the hell? Like, wow, boy, does someone need drug money? Because, like, yeah. why else would he be even thinking about a comeback? Yeah. Uh, Nick Smart, we got 10 minutes left. What did I miss today? Oh, I don't know about today. Well, but, stuff you wanted to um, talk about yeah, that yeah. I didn't um, get to. I got the Orlando Brown thing off my chest earlier. Um, Joel Embiid, uh, I had already meant to bring up his 50.7 rebound, five assists, four block, two steal night against the Bulls back on the 19th. Just uh, on that note, you were able to previously get him at 5-1 to one for MVP. It went down to 3-1 to one after that night. Okay, go I ahead. that. Yeah. That's a that's a unicorn type of performance. When you're dropping 50 points and you're grabbing 17 boards and you're blocking 
four shots, dealing five dimes. I mean, that's a unicorn performance. Not many guys in the history of the sport have had the body or the skill set or the athleticism to be able to do that. And I want to come on here and say, for a guy that we thought was going to be a draft bust, mainly because of injury early in his career, boy, uh, has he really turned into something. Hey, for a guy who hold grew up on. playing... I have never... For, no, no, I know, I know. Just let me have, finish here. For, okay. for a guy who grew up playing volleyball, basketball isn't even his main sport. I mean, that is a very special line, and I know you're going to pivot to, you know, he hasn't won anything, et cetera, et cetera. No, nope, not I, where I was my going. Plan, my plan was for to bring this up organically because of that stat night, and then I got a, a message from you on Discord later on that night about how, again, like, you know, Hasn't won anything. Zero rings. Well, no. What? What, that, what do you? Th- so the the relation uh, to that was that uh, who who was it? So Tobias yeah, they, Harris. They were comparing said, him to Wilt. Yeah, they were yeah. comparing him to Wilt. Tobias but. Harris said he'll never play with someone better in his career. Yeah. I'll tell and my kids one day I played with Joel Embiid. Harris said after scoring, to... so this. That... But he's not wrong. Like no, he didn't oh, okay. Play with so Wilt. hold on. So no, no. That, setting aside the Wilt part, the the part about like zero fucking rings, man, is like I I'm going to use Vince Carter as an example, right? Like, is there a guy in the world who's going to tell their grandkids I played with Vince Carter? No, are you kidding? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, no. Yeah. Okay. Man, yeah. The guy I hard is, disagree with that. Me? I hard disagree with that. Yeah, because I don't think a ton of guys, man. A ton of fucking guys. Because I don't. The guy think, played forever, man. I don't think your name lasts long enough if you don't win a ring. And and I think it's entirely as well, man. Because that dunk contest, that's in like americana no, but culture hold, hold on like let's talk about the sentence i will tell my grandkids yep. your grandkids dude i ask me who won the 1975 dunk contest now i don't know that there was a 1975 yeah. dunk contest there might we not have been watch it. yeah i have no fucking idea mm-hmm. right the people i know about from that era i you know i know about kareem abdul jabbar Right, I know about uh, Jerry West. Like I know, I know about guys who won rings, though, because those are the names that translate through generations. Guys who win dunk contests, guys who win a couple MVP awards, those guys don't matter if you don't get a ring. Now, there's exceptions. Going to football, like Dan Marino, right? Like I think my kids are going to hear about who Dan Marino. Um, and if my wife's listening, that's not me committing to having kids, but like there's lots of worlds where, and and so me saying zero fucking rings, man was not, I'm not saying Joel Embiid's bad. I think he's an elite player of this generation. Only 26. And what I was going to say is, you know, you were talking about like, we say this, we say that I'm like, listen, the thing, the only thing I've said is that like, I think Ben Simmons is overrated. Yep. I've never, he, I've never said shit about I'm, Embiid. I, I've, I'm coming around. I'm coming and, around on the Simmons thing. Yeah, for sure. and I've been on this like Getting ready to trade him in my cube league. Yeah, I'm like the Simmons thing. I don't think Simmons is a real guy. Um, I well, he's a if, good player. He's just not the superstar I thought he was. Yeah, I think be. a good player is the right way to put it. I mean, but I, if you can't shoot the three at that position yep, in this league, yep, you're yep, in for a bad time. Yep. Yeah, and um, with 
all those other tools, the fact that you can't learn, you know what I mean? Like I, I could accept that he couldn't do it, but I can't accept that he hasn't been able to it's learn it. Great point. Great um, point. I still think Ben Simmons has an outside shot winning MVP one day. I really do. But I, I don't think the, the 76ers are going to win a, win a ring with just him and Embiid. I think Embiid's going to need more help. Yeah, and, and and Simmons might be a piece that you can still like. I'll tell you what they're, they're they could end up moving them for something. And that's the thing they're running up against the clock on that though. If they don't if they don't do that in the next twelve months, like if he's just the same guy he is right now next year, nobody's gonna think that they can unlock the potential on him. They like they got to get rid of him fast. Um, on the Embiid front, my point was only that. You like doing quotes where you're like, one day I'm going to tell my kids I played with this guy. I mean, if you're a bit over dramatic, if you're assuming that one day the guy's going to win a ring, then sure. But you that has to be part of the assumption for you to say something like that because we don't tell our grandkids about guys who didn't win rings. If so, if if fucking Charles Oakley says to his grandkids, I used to play with Vince Carter. They're going to be like, who? Mm, I just, I can't get on board with that one. I'm I'm telling you, man. A now, lot of guys, yeah, but not Vince. The the count, the, the best counter argument, because I, I always try to steal man, uh, the, the, you know, the point against what I'm saying, is that Vince Carter is going to be very good on TV, and he might be on ESPN for 20 years. And so there might be a day where, like, Charles Oakley's grandkids are watching Vince Carter on ESPN, and he's like, oh, I used to play with Vince Carter. Yeah. But that's the thing that they're going to know him from. Yeah. I I think a good example is a guy like Michael Redd, if you remember, uh, an all-star for the Bucks in the mid-2000s. Good shooter. Made a couple all-star games. But, like, now that we're in the 2020s, outside of big, like, hoops fans, nobody really remembers him or knows about him. You know, I think he's a good example. Not to share on your example, but like I think another one I would think of is like Carmelo Anthony, right? Nah, come on. No, no, I, bro, I was worried no, that was no, no, no. Hear, hear me out. Like, there's Syracuse. no way. Who is gonna tell their grandkids? Grandkids. We're not saying kids. We're not saying that a person's legacy has to make it twenty years. I'm saying this legacy has to make it forty years. Yeah, won a national tell- title at Syracuse. I uh, okay. hell of a okay. Yeah. So if if yeah. you're Come if on. you're arguing, bro, if your argument is college, then sure, right? If you're like my my grandkids are really into college basketball, and one day I'll tell them I played with this guy, sure. But if you were like a fucking point guard on the Denver Nuggets, and you're like I played with Carmelo Anthony, no one's gonna know who that was. There's only one guy named Carmelo, man. Uh, like, I, I get what you're saying, but how Vince many, and Carmelo how, aren't the examples. How many guys can you name from the 80s? I didn't watch basketball in the 80s. Right! Exactly! But no, I, no, I see, no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I also, you know, I my father's a Landon immigrant. He doesn't know dick all about the NBA. If I was in, like, down south in an NBA family. But you would have been six years old, like... There's a ton of hockey players I know about that I didn't want. I guess to, you to know like what? Use that's a, a... that's actually a really fair point because, like, yeah, what th- maybe this guy's like? I'm going to tell my grandkids one day, but this is under the assumption that I am going to raise my kids to learn a lot about basketball, yeah, yeah. and they will raise their kids to learn a lot. Yeah, about basketball. like if I wasn't in New Brunswick sure. and been born to a hockey family, if it was basketball in the South, it'd be different. Um, okay, because yeah, there was I, my grandfather was always telling me about Terry Sawchuk and 
how he was the greatest goal he ever watched play. Cetera, I, th- this is all fair, but if we just, I think if we just look at it as like Joe Blow, you know, sports watcher, there's no way, there's no way they know who any of these guys are. You know, this is a lot about hyperbole, really, because I think we both agree this was just hyperbole. Um, but like, they- well, I, the thing is, is I think Tobias Harris was telling the truth as he knew it to be. Right. Like, I think he truly right. believes Embiid's the best player he's ever played with, and I think he's telling that. I think that's an honest take well, to a reporter. And and so there's also a point of like, okay, so what does that say about your career, sir? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he's like, on like his, you know, Tobias Harris for as talented as he is, famously, a couple of years ago was on like his fifth team in like four years, like you know, yeah. Orlando, Milwaukee, Detroit, the Clippers, you name it. Yeah. Um. All right. Kyrie Irving and just uh, because yeah. you got me curious, I googled 1975 dunk ta- dunk contest winner. It actually wasn't until 1976, a year later, How funny. that Dr. J won the inaugural ABA slam dunk. And we would know Dr. J. Yeah. <laughs> we would yeah. know Dr. J. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kids are going to know Vince Carter for the year he won it and put it under the leg. <laughs> yeah, because that's why we know Dr. J. Um, hey, I'm, he's known for a dunker. It's known true. for that fro. Uh, Kyrie Irving thinks Kobe Bryant should be the silhouette in – uh, the NBA logo. I have two no. thoughts about this, um, and I'm gonna say them, and then I'll let you talk. Uh, my thought number one is I think it is correct that basketball has been a predominantly black sport, and I can understand, especially understand with black players, uh, wanting a black person to be that silhouette, and uh. I, I could even get behind that. I would argue the first choice would be Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, and my second point is there were pretty credible rape accusations against Kobe Bryant. So maybe if you're going to find a hill to die on, not that one. Nick Smart. No, I agree with completely what you said. Like, I totally understand why and it kind of relates to our grandchild story thing, you know, like they're probably thinking, who's this old white guy, Jerry West. Yeah. Like I know they have appreciation for the sport and his hall of fame career, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he's a league executive now and he's worked, been working in the front office and all that stuff. But I can understand why, you know, like who's this old white guy on the logo. I understand that notion, but I, I don't think Kobe's the, just because he happened to die in a helicopter crash. I don't think, uh, there's a reason to change it. And like you, you know, if they are going to change it, I think it should be Michael Jordan. Or how about Shaq? Huh? Give me Shaq. I think that would be a good one. Yeah, people would take that as a disrespect towards Kobe. But, yeah. You know, I absolutely, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if it's if you change it, it's one person. It's, uh, it's MJ. And, you know, it makes me think about the NHL silhouette. You know, like, why does it have to be anybody, right? Like, the NHL silhouette silhouette isn't anybody NFL. in particular and if it was it would probably be Gretzky right in the NFL same deal Major so. League Baseball is like just a guy like it's yeah. not a you know yeah. guy that kind of looks like a duck if you look at the <laughs> right way oh, well, um, that's going to ruin it for me forever yeah. Um, the one that ruined for me I saw a meme and they were like 
Wolverine is really just two Batman's kissing. Have you ever seen that one? No, I don't. No, I don't. I can't. Okay. Well, no, that's that gonna, one. Yeah, that I like one Batman is, too much to ruin. Yeah, it for well, it's, yeah. it's the cartoon. Like it's the old DC cartoons. Yeah. And uh, boy, uh, you can't unsee <laughs> that when it's pointed out to you. Um. Yeah. Uh, let's see what we got on the uh, the rake here. Oh yeah, did you see the? Have you had a chance yet to see? Because it, it just uh, came out recently. The Al Davis Thirty for Thirty. Oh no, I haven't. Just Win Baby, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I highly re- recommend everyone watch it. It was great. I loved it. One thing that has been uh, causing some, I guess, minor controversy. Sure. Is uh for the role of Al Davis and the role of uh, Pete Rizal, what they did was they did deep fakes of them uh, each. Now, yeah. part of it was because it was filmed during the pandemic and they couldn't fly around and do a bunch of interviews and piece together a bunch of stuff. And the other half was, you know, it was just kind of because every Modern 30 for 30 shit, has a different yeah. producer and director. So it was just kind of this guy's innovative Thanks. take. Um, at first, I thought it was a bit creepy and a bit weird. But towards the end of it, I was like, you know what? I, I kind of like how they did that. Um, but makes, it, it's definitely not for everybody. Makes me think of uh, Kanye getting Kim Kardashian a hologram of her dead dad. Uh, uh, Robert. Yeah. And then, you know, what is it? Six months later, her asking for a divorce. I'm like, well, yeah. 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 That's a super weird and creepy gift. I'd try to get a divorce, too. Not to mention the past year and change that guy's had on record running yeah. for president. Clearly off his meds, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I highly recommend that Al Davis 30 for 30. It's great. It really goes to show you like what kind of a maverick this guy was constantly going against the league, constantly suing the league, forcing lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. Real smart guy. Um, real legend. Really glad I saw it. But yeah, the deep fake part uh, isn't for everybody. Uh, thoughts on Big Ben? Um, I was yeah, ready to come on they here. They really, they really screwed Big Ben around for a while I, there. Yeah, They're it was. Saying it was they back. Like the whole Kevin Colbert thing, and that was my take, right? And we missed a, a week and change there. And I was going to come on and rip Kevin Colbert for the way he basically, you know, accepted that Ben was going to be back without like fully saying he would be back. I thought it was classless. I thought it was unneeded. And then of course you fast forward a week and you've got uh owner art Rooney, the second coming out and uh, making it official basically. Right. Like yeah. it was obviously all about the Benjamins. They didn't want Ben to have a 40 million and cap. It should hit, be. And you can't when the, the, the cap's going to be what? 160, exactly. 180. You cannot have, have that and yeah. but ben the thing is is ben knew ben it ben knew had already that put you could have done it quietly yeah. yeah yeah he said he basically said i'd play for a dollar you know what i mean yeah like, well let me let me like, say this they like, had all the leverage this was the least dealers way they could have handled that right yep. the the classiness yep. that you like to talk about how the steelers handle situations this was not that and not close um, it's unfortunate. Guy's got two rings with us. At the draw of him. At oh, tight. At, Come on. Jeez. I I I'm a little tighter with my Hall of Fame than you are. 
Uh, no, I think that if there's been one thing established in three years of the show, that is definitely one of them. Yeah. But the quarterback for your team that won two Super Bowls, and you you think he's a fringe Hall of Fame? Here's candidate? the thing: if they put Eli in, they got to put Ben in, right? Well, yeah, exactly. like, yeah. 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 And uh, I'll take it a step further. Get that Philip Rivers bust ready. Yeah, you see, I knew, we, I knew you were going to bring it back to that. Um, hey, you can't talk Eli, Ben, and not mention Phil. It's true. And, you know, shout out to J.P. Lozman, who was the fourth. Poor guy. Fourth. My goodness. Um, ben deserved better than that. I say of, you know, having just spoken about people with uh, credible rape accusations. Um, he... They, they they could have done a better job of doing that quietly. And I wonder how much you... Listen, if you're going to fucking pin it on anybody, you're going to pin it on the GM because everybody else in that organization has done a good job over the years of being able to... Act like adults. Exactly. Um, so it's too bad. Listen, this is going to be Ben's last year. There's no way he comes back for another year after this. Nope. I worry that's a wasted year frankly, but I don't, you know, we talked about quarterbacks at the beginning. Let's go full circle here. What are you going to bring in that's better than Ben Roethlisberger right now? You're, you're not going to trade the kind of draft capital. Like, it was an insane thing when the Steelers traded a single first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. They are not going to trade three first-round picks or four even for Deshaun Watson. And if it's not Deshaun Watson, and if it's not Russell Westbrook, then you do not need to be interested in the quarterbacks that are available. And therefore, Ben's the best you're going to get, and you're just going to have to live with it at this point. Problem is you've got an O-line that is eroding in real time. And that center, retirement and age. center's just retired. Your right yep. guard doesn't look as good as he used to, and both your tackles seem questionable. And it's looking like Smith Schuster's probably going to be wearing a Raiders jersey in a couple of months. Yeah, the Smith Schuster thing's interesting because he keeps talking about wanting to he come wants. back. Yep, he's, it's like he's put out the same quotes that Ben basically has. And I'm um, I'm starting to think like the he's team a, does not want. They're like this. No. This dude's a distraction. Yeah, no, he's not going to be back. Even though he yeah. wants to be back, I don't think he's going to be back. You got I think Claypool, he's even... you got Johnson, you got exactly. Washington. The, like the, the replacements are already in house. If yeah. the Claypool thing hadn't happened, then there was a chance. But as soon as Claypool emerged, that was it. And is it that they, you know, I talked last year after the draft about being upset that they went for wide receiver instead of a running back. Did they just know the whole time that, like, listen, Juju's becoming a bit of a fucking ordeal and yeah. we need to backfill because we're not bringing this guy back? Um, I will love Juju forever for that hit on Perfect. Some, like, I you chortle but like somebody needed to take that dude's head off and he was never the same after that hit and i'm totally okay with all of that like bless you juju um because perfect made a career out of doing that to other people and someone needed to return the favor but i i don't know that juju has such an elite talent level that you need to make sure he comes back. Let somebody else overpay him. Yep. Now, if he's going to say like, just like uh, I'll Mike come Wise. back for 11. I'm like, okay, I'm interested, you know, but if, so, if somebody's going to pay him 14, just yeah, let him go. 
It's going to be a down year for NFL free agents with well, the cap the coming down. It's going to be 160, yeah. 180. I yeah. forget what the floor is, but it's very yeah. low. There's there's going to be guys who in normal off seasons would have cashed in that aren't going to cash in quite as much as they usually would have. Yeah. Uh, there's guys that would have gotten four-year deals that are only going to get two-year deals, and there's going to be a lot of guys. Well, there's going to be a lot, lot of guys of... who want the two-year deal so that yeah. they can let the cap get back to what it used to be. Yeah. You know, no one's no one wants to sign a long term deal assuming the cap's gonna be one eighty for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all right. It's one AM. It's time to go to bed. Uh Nick Smart, anything else you wanna say before we go away? Uh how about this? Um I wanted to get to this earlier and I hate that it's been a month that's gone by, but about a month ago, Larry King passed away of COVID-19. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment on this show to say that, uh, you know, first of all, rest in peace. And second of all, uh, he had a big impact on my life growing up. Uh, watched a lot of his interviews. Um, my grandmother was uh, a big fan, and I was very close to my grandmother. So in many ways, I was very close with Larry King. And uh I knew he wasn't going to live forever. I was very happy that he got to see his Dodgers win that World Series before he went. Uh, I really thought he was going to beat COVID-19. I really did. Um, I was sad to see it. And uh, I just wish there would have been more fanfare. I thought he deserved a bigger farewell. Um, yeah. yeah the... one, of the, one of the true greats, and he was a living legend. I, I'm actually a big fan of Larry King, and, and there was a lot of um... – shit talk for lack lack of a better term of the fact that he would not really research his guests before they came on his show yep jerry seinfeld uh, famously took it a bit personally one time um but that was a style and some people didn't like his softball style of questioning but yeah his interviews were one of a kind what what i was gonna say is that like it kind of became a meme right like people especially when he died I, i thought it was in poor taste but there were a lot of posts around like him kind of um in some ways frankly embarrassing himself like asking what would have been really stupid questions to a lot of people but i always just really respected that that he he was in a spot where like he was at the top of the mountain and he could have had 75 people doing a bunch of fucking research and feeding it into his ear and he would have already known anything but he thought the correct and appropriate way to interview someone was to come with a lack of knowledge and a legitimate curiosity about them going Uh, with a blank slate and uh i i have a lot of respect for that i i think he you know between him and howard stern they're like kind of at the top they're on the mount rushmore of interviewing people so absolutely yeah absolutely all right His name is Nick Smart. My name is Charles Hollier. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Whoa. Whoops. Shit. Wrong button.